Can you do that Joe Rogan thing? And we're live. And we're live. <laughs> Hello, freak bitches. <laughs> To another episode of Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by a couple ballet dancers. My name is Keelan, and this week we have very special guest Julian Botnarenko. Hey, man! Thanks for having me, buddy. I love the name, by the way. <laughs> two Two Guys or Keelan? Two Two Guys, and it's spelled T W O T W O. That's right. That's pretty cool. That's Thanks. very creative. Thanks. Love it. it. Do you know like the bridge on? Um, on Queen Street, like right by Broadview, where you go over the Don Valley. Yeah. yeah. I was just like running uh-huh. there, probably like really tired, like out of breath going up the hill. And then it just like mm-hmm. popped into my head. I was like, oh, there it is. Okay. Um, nice. So for those listening, uh, Julian is my childhood best friend. And so yeah, it, yeah. it was a pretty easy ask. He, he, he was willing to come on, uh, make space in his schedule to come and be here. Yeah, I was surprised you had me like, what, 10th episode? <laughs> You What's going was, on? You thought it was going to be sooner or later? I thought it was going to be sooner. I thought it would be like Joey Diaz coming in, like yeah. day one. Every other episode, yeah. Right. Well, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe you will be. Um, why don't you tell people at home a little bit about yourself, so just so they know your life All story right. in brief. My life story, yeah, very brief. Um, so I'm a ballet dancer. I went to Canada's National Ballet School. I uh, was, I started in the professional program at the age of 13. And uh, that's where Keelan and I became best friends. That's right. I believe, yeah. That's right, yeah. So I went through the whole school system and I graduated at the age of 17. And uh, I started my professional career. And then uh, at the age of 21, I ended up going to Germany. And I've been in Germany for 10 years dancing. Currently, I'm right now, uh, I'm married. And I have a five-year-old child. Yeah. So all the... That's very brief. All the men and women at home, just so you know, he's married. Don't even try. That's right. Uh, So you've danced for three companies or... Yeah, right? Ooh. Like full-time though. Full-time. Six years in Kiel. It's a city north of Hamburg. It's a small but very good classical ballet company. Then I danced one season in Karlsruhe. That was, that was in 2017. And then in 2019, I danced in Innsbruck. That's a small city in Austria, a very beautiful city, a nice company. And a year later, in 2020, I decided to freelance. Right. And I moved back with my wife and child last year, I believe, yeah last year and uh, we moved back to Karlsruhe I mean I freelanced for a year I guessed it with Salzburg Ballet for three months and I guessed it with a company in Switzerland in Zurich quite a lot Um, and right now I am in the middle of corona (laughs) in the middle of quarantine and so I will be but I will be actually joining the Karlsruhe Ballet Company next season starting in September. Right. And you're going to be uh, like head chef there working in the canteen. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then like on Saturdays, they got me cleaning up toilets. So. Oh, wow. 
looking forward to that. Only sat- hopefully that can turn into a full time thing. Um, hopefully Sundays too. Like I'm looking it, forward to the Sundays. Uh, is it racist to ask if you're going to be making pierogies for people every day? <laughs> Why? Is that <laughs> Why? Because of my heritage? Yeah. For listeners, I am Ukrainian. Right. So yeah. <laughs> Proud, proudly Ukrainian. <laughs> proudly Ukrainian. Yeah. Can I? Can I Canadian be honest? Canadian Ukrainian. Yo. I think you guys have an underrated flag. I love it. Do you know the what blue it and yellow? Uh, it's yeah, the you know sky and the grain. That's right. Yeah, and the yellow, the yellow fields. The yeah, yellow fields. Yeah. You're my best friend. I should know what the the flag means. But if you ask me, what does the Canadian flag mean? I don't remember. I learned in school and I forgot that one. Dude, what is there? To, what is there to like? Oh no, like the red stripes like mean something. Yeah. Do they? And, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And the thing know. in the middle, that's a leaf. Really? Wow. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> People don't realize it, but it's a leaf. Yeah, I thought that leaf. was the logo to the maple syrup. Like oh. on the maple syrup bottles, I yeah. thought that was the logo. Maybe. Maybe. I thought it was that the Canadian flag was just like, oh, let's do the Toronto Maple Leafs logo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but a different color. Done. I feel like we're bashing Canada. <laughs> no, nah, it's okay. We're both Canadians. Um, That's right. So we really have been uh, best friends since uh, a very specific day. And I bring this up when we celebrate this. I don't know the exact day, but it was the very end of July. It was when we found out right. that Julian got into the school full-time because you had been in the part-time program and you auditioned to get into the full-time program because the year before, there would just been me and one other boy in the class and the rest were all girls. And when you got That's into fine, the full-time man. program, there were going to be five boys in that class. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to have somebody that I really thought I could be friends with. Like, this guy could be my buddy, right? And, right. and so I came to you uh, after we found out you got in and I was like, Hey man, look, here's the deal. I know the guys who were going to be in our class next year. You and I have to be best friends. There's nobody else. It has to be us. Right. right. Um, uh-huh. and, and so we kind of, there was the deal. Like it was kind of a yeah, pact. I agreed. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. And then you asked me like, yo, which girls do you like? So I stay away from them <laughs> and I'll tell you which girls I like. So you can stay away from them. Yeah. That was like the first thing, like wow. you said to me when we decided to be best friends. Yeah. Shit, I think I can say for both of us that neither of us had any relations with any of the girls we were in class with, so it didn't matter. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My entire school career at the National Ballet School, I was rejected by anybody I asked out. Likewise. Um, yeah. yeah. Respect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> We could just riff for days on stories and stuff. But mm-hmm. the reason I brought you on today is to talk about injury. Right. Going through injuries is universal. Anybody who's an athlete, not just a dancer, goes through injury. And from what I've seen, the majority of us go through big injuries, right? Because if you, you, know, you roll your ankle, you're out for two weeks, that's one thing. But when you mm-hmm. need surgery... You need to take a right. year off. You need to get injections. Mm-hmm. There's that level to it as well. Yeah, yeah. And you and I both know that side of it really, really well, yeah. really intimately. You mentioned it happens to a lot of us. It does and it doesn't, you know. It happens to a handful of people where it's very severe, and I feel like we've had the upper end of the spectrum of right. things to deal with, you know, when it comes to our health. That's a good point. I agree with that, actually. You're right. I'm, I'm kind of so excited to talk about this with you, but I don't want to get ahead right. of myself. 
So why don't we go back and forth a little bit and, uh, and we can go into detail as we need to because we were each so aware of what the other person was going through because of our friendship mm -hmm. that we can share kind of both sides. You know, you can talk about your experience and I can talk about what it was like, what I heard you going through, right? Okay. So maybe we can go through them chronologically. Okay. So mine was the first one because it was when, mm -hmm. um, it was when I was still in school. Yeah, that's when you got the Usher Gronum, no? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in 12th grade, I was at the National Ballet School of Canada and I had had this pain in my ankle on and off for three years. And when it was bad, it was like debilitating. Like it was really, really hard to do anything. But the physios were saying, you know, oh, it's because you're gripping. Oh, it's because you, you know, you're not flexible enough. Stretch your calves, like things like that. So I kept pushing through. Finally, they said, go get an x-ray. I got an x-ray. I needed surgery. What they found out was that I had these bone fragments that had broken off in my ankle. So each of my ankles had multiple shards of bone, very sharp, floating in my ankle in the back of it, um, really, really damaging my Achilles tendon and all of the framework. It took them long enough. Yeah, it took a while to find that out. And uh, I got the surgery in January. It basically took me two full years to heal. How old were you again? 17. 17, right, yeah. And what I realized from that whole process and then subsequent injuries, I kind of kept relearning this, is I didn't know how to heal because I was so afraid I wasn't going to be good enough and I wasn't going to learn what I needed to learn and be ready in time that I couldn't allow myself to be patient. And that was yeah, very, much, very much a theme for me throughout school, throughout my life, and very much in recovering from injury. I ended up being healthy just in time to go audition and I ended up being good enough to get one job offer out of the, I think, 13 companies I auditioned for, but one is all you need. Yeah. And so it was fine. Um, the bright side, which is really legitimately a bright side, is the surgeon. He was like, yeah, we saw this scar tissue in, in the, the tendon sheath on the inside that we had to cut through. And, and we just removed the scar tissue, which should help with your flexion in your toe. And he, you know, he used doctor speak. But I was like, wait, are you saying that you helped my releve? And it turns out he did. That there was so much wow. scar tissue <laughs> built up that it's really hard to get up on releve. And Block, he fixed yeah. it. And so ever since then, okay. I've had like a legitimately serviceable releve. But if I hadn't had the surgery, that wouldn't have happened, you know? So in this kind of yeah. a weird way, it, it gave me a better career, you know? Of course. Um, so that was really nice. So, so that was my first injury. And it sucked. It was really, really, really hard. And I mean, I had surgery on two feet and so I couldn't yeah. walk and they gave me two crutches and it was Edmonton and it was icy because it was January and Shit. it's horrible. And I was in high school and I'm trying to be cool and I'm in these crutches. You didn't play hockey as a kid, man, come on. No, I did nothing. I just, <laughs> just danced and I couldn't dance. I couldn't do anything. Um, uh, but so that's my first one, but I wanted to get that out of the way because now chronologically we come to yours and the next two, your injury and then my next one, they parallel a little bit. And so I wanted to get to that. So why don't you tell us, what was your first injury? What happened? First big one. The first big one was uh, after I graduated the National Ballet School, I went on to dance with the Houston Ballet 2, which is the studio company. 
and uh, I ended up tearing my ACL and my left knee on stage in a performance. Yeah, I uh, remember I was very devastated. Um, and uh, I thought my career was over. I thought I was done. I couldn't, I remember the feeling, I couldn't feel my leg and um, I couldn't walk. I tried to walk and I collapsed to the ground because my ligament wasn't supporting me. My leg was completely shut off and it was a very scary feeling. And uh, I went into the doctor's office the next day and uh, he told me I tore my ACL and my meniscus at the same time, which is very common for uh, an ACL tear. And so I had to get a reconstruction of my anterior crucial ligament and my uh, meniscus at the same time. I remember hearing about it from your mother, I think. You know, like yeah. I, like she was kind of giving me regular updates because I, I think I was yeah. even living at your house at the time. Like I think I was, Maybe I was staying with them for a few weeks. Might have been, yeah. Julian was the best dancer, at least male dancer, in our graduating class by a mile. Like I think he was. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, it didn't start off that way, but Julian got really, really good really quickly. Like he just, within like a year, basically, everything fell into place, right? And so by the time we're graduating, I'm a hot mess. A bunch of us are hot messes. And you're like, oh yeah, this guy's like on the path to superstardom. Like he's legitimately very, very good. I thought I really had it figured out. I was on top of the world. And then uh, such a sudden thing happens, you know? Yeah. Everything just like was... It felt like everything was taken away from me. Yeah. Do you remember, I think you told me that uh, you were really excited to perform this piece because all of the company members and staff were in the audience. Yeah. And you were so excited that you put all this extra force into your job. Yeah. And your body just wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, totally. And that's that's the moment where the landing totally. went wrong. Yeah. I mean, you just, like, I I remember taking that big bump on before the jump, and then I realized I'm too high. And I'm off the music, and I need to catch up to the music after I land. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. I was, uh, you know, I mean, it, it might sound arrogant, but, like, I had a big jump, you know, and uh, I try to maximize it in the moment, you know, to show off that um, kind of uh, it backfired there's something about the stage where you know when you get nervous and you, you like you can't prepare for the nerves but also no, you can't prepare no. for the excitement you know you can try yeah. but I know that when I do my Nutcracker Coda in a show it's always bigger than in a rehearsal because yes. you just got that extra extra oomph, pump yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? mm -hmm. and you, you can't really contend with that like you can't fully prepare as hard as you try. I think you I think you can control it when you're experienced. And I was not yeah. experienced in the moment. You can build the foundation in your body so that you your body knows what to do, how to exactly. handle it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to contain that that energy, you know, you have to be able to work with that energy. And I think this is just it comes from experience, you know. It takes years and years and years. I'm thirty one right now. It's only been in the last few years that I feel like I really own the stage and I feel like I, I'm in full control, mm -hmm. you, you know? Yeah. So like a, the little 17 year old me, of course, that was, uh, that was scary. You found out that you were, uh, you know, not invincible. 
I really thought I was, you know, before that happened, because I would give 200% all the time in the studio, on stage, every time, you know, and I felt like I could just do it again, you know. So the the parallel between your injury there and the one I had is when I went to Alberta Ballet, uh, we started our season in July, and in November we were doing Nutcracker on tour, and the season had been going pretty well for me. Uh, I was getting cast in some stuff. And this is your first season, right? My first season, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you know, just become professional, right? Right. Nineteen years old, and in probably our third show, I think, of Nutcracker, we were on vi- tour in Victoria, BC. In a show, mm-hmm. we're doing flowers. I'm carrying this girl off stage. And it was a sandbag, so it was a big bag of sand right. that they used mm-hmm. to stabilize the lights. And right. I stepped on it while still holding a girl right as I was walking into the wings. Uh, and I rolled my ankle, and I felt a pop. And I put her down and then crawled further into the wings and just proclaimed very, very clearly, I'm not going back on stage. Like, I'm not getting mm-hmm. back up. Um, wow. It was the clearest thing. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Our stage manager at that point was right there and like in the wings. And so I went and she said, okay, it's fine. We're going to get you some ice, lay down. And I took off some of my costumes so that somebody could go and replace me for the coda. Same thing happened to me. (laughs) Continue. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was initially assessed to be a sprain. So there's different degrees of sprains. There's three degrees. A third degree is basically a full tear, right? More or less, it's a full tear. Uh, First degree is, you know, Oh, I, I twisted my ankle, I'll be fine in a week, two weeks type thing. And so it was initially assessed as a first degree sprain. I thought that's great. Gave it a week or two, came back. I was trying to do stuff through the pain. So it's hard to know if it was initially as bad as it ended up being, uh, or if by continuing to go, it made it worse. But in the end, it was diagnosed as a third degree sprain, a full tear of my ATFL, yeah. which is on the outside of my mm-hmm. ankle, and a partial tear of some other ligaments. And yeah, so yeah. this was a much more serious injury. Yeah. And so you and I both in our very early career got injured in a show and had a very complicated recovery process. Yes. Right? Um, yes. Would you walk us through your recovery from your first injury? Because the recovery from your first operation wasn't as simple as one might hope. So I tore my ACL at 17. A month later, I got it fixed. And uh, I had it operated in the United States. And the doctor convinced me to use a cadaver. At that time, it was like the new progressive way of reconstructing ACLs. What ended up happening was I, uh, I left Houston and went back to Canada, back to the National Ballet School to continue my rehabilitation program. Usually an injury like this takes about 9 to 12 months to come back from. At around 9 months post-op, I started all the big jumps again, all the big turns. And at around, like I would say, 12 months post-op, I started feeling things were wrong. I kept collapsing. Like I, w- I would say like my knee would kind of give way here and there. And I felt something wasn't strong inside. And so one day I said, you know what? Maybe this is just my brain. Maybe like I just have to go for it again. And so I did just that. I started going for things again. And then one day 
I ended up um, just pushing through fatigue. And I was doing some pirouettes, I remember, and I remember I collapsed on the ground. And my knee gave way, and uh, I knew I snapped my ACL again. The doctor confirmed that I would need surgery. I was there when you did that. It was at Opera Atelier, right? That's right. Well, I think you were doing Alstacom pirouettes, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I walked home in a lot of pain. I remember the next day I woke up. My knee was swollen like a balloon. And I remember I had to do shows like a few days later. And somehow I got, like, I still did the shows, but it was it was not fun. We'll get to this, but that was the beginning of something that you ended up doing a lot of, which was finding ways yeah. to get through it when your knee wasn't really where it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I remember... Made a career out of it. <laughs> I remember when you got the letter... Somehow it was like a medical report and, yeah. and you read it and somehow I, you know, I asked you how you were and you said, you know, I was really upset for like 10 minutes and then I got over it and I was okay. And at the time I thought, oh, mm-hmm. this guy's like a superhuman, like this guy's ability to just find level to be okay with something fairly quickly. Yeah. At least from what you communicated to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your inner world was, but uh, but so after that, you ended up having to get am I right two surgeries because one had to repair, right. one had to prepare your knee so that it was kind of normal again, and then yeah. the next one six months later was to do the actual follow up operation to get you another right. new ACL. So by that point, you had had three surgeries, two ACLs, right? Yeah. I remember there was enough time in between each of these that you were able to get back into shape and then have the surgery and then have to start from the beginning again. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you did it, mm-hmm. and to your credit, mm-hmm. every time, because if you go into an operation with really good cardio, uh, in really good you know musculature, it helps your yeah. body heal faster. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so you're basically rehabbing for something that you know is going to be exactly. undone, and you had exactly. to do that three times. At that point, yeah, three three times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the hard part was the waiting. I think I was 20, 20 years old at that point. And I felt like, no, I should be working. And, like, all my friends are all professionals already. And I'm just, like, unemployed and, like, without really a clear future ahead of me. I didn't even know if I could recover from this surgery. And the, the hard part was the waiting. But I didn't waste my time, you know, like I, I reflected what went wrong the first time, what went wrong the second time, you know, like there was a lot of probably technical errors, you know, there was a lot of dirty dancing on my part that facilitated these injuries. I've heard before that, um, you know, the universe will, will give you a lesson over and over again until you actually learn it, right? And so <laughs> yep. you might miss it the first time, but it's going to come back around. And so mm-hmm. the first time I didn't quite get, hey... Sometimes you got to just chill out and accept where you are, you know, with the Alberta mm-hmm. Ballet injury. The first physio I had was used to just working with regular people, non-dancers, and wasn't very helpful for me when right. I came back. So it, it took me that, that half a season. I wasn't really healed. I could get to like kind of a leg row, but then I couldn't get past that. When I came back my next season, I got a new physio who had been a ballet dancer before. And so she got dancing. And so... I had to accept where I was, 
which was nowhere near ready to actually come back and then build mm -hmm. up a realistic pathway to healing yeah. to where I wanted to be, right? But mm -hmm. in doing that, it kind of shattered all of the the ideas of what I thought if I just worked really, really hard and gripped harder, I could make it. It, it broke all that stuff down and showed me, look, there's a lot of missing stuff in my technique and we need to yes. fix that here in the physio room before you can be doing it mm -hmm. in the studio or on stage. And I guarantee that when I came back to dancing, I was better, smarter, and a lot stronger. So of course, of ended course, up saying, yeah. mm -hmm. with the Alberta Ballet one, I lost basically a full season, right? Yeah. Um, maybe a bit more. But when I came back, I was way better of a dancer and more, much more of a knowledgeable person and developed mm -hmm. human than I would mm -hmm. have been had I been healthy the whole time. You know, it kind of was like a slingshot where it pulled me so far back and then shot me way further forward than I would have been. Totally. Which I think mm -hmm. was the lesson that would be knocking on my door saying, hey, you got to slow down, you got to slow down. But it took me so long to accept that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, for, for both of us, taking little steps was so important. I remember mm -hmm. when we were in school, there was a point where you were doing class with seventh grade girls. Like that's where you yeah. were at was you could do a four count tondu. Yeah. That's it. Right. So are you bitch? No, so, so yeah, but you went first. Yeah. But I'll be honest. One of my favorite classes ever, because it was finally a class where I could do the steps. <laughs> like, I learned it. Yeah, yeah. So patience was something we both had to learn. I mean, it was reluctant patience, of course. But when you're taking yeah. class with 13 year old girls, you go through all the baby steps mm -hmm. and you realize how much was actually like how much was lacking in your overall technique, you know? Yeah. And this kind of just like grounded me, you know? Thing I remember the most is the soreness of my feet as I realized, oh, you got to brush the floor. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like I'm like 18 and I'm like, oh, oh you shit. brush it yeah. and your foot you should be it, sore. Yeah. Oh. And I'm looking at all these yeah, kids and they're right. fine and I'm just like sweating so much. It's like a really yeah. big man. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I also had like a weight problem because, <laughs> and all the girls were like, "Who's this ogre?" Like, yeah, but we ended up becoming friends with those kids. Like, we ended up getting along very right, well. Yeah. Some of them were in residence, and they would like steal us food, which was great. Yeah. Okay, so you get this second ACL, and yeah. so the first mm -hmm. one was the cadaver, which is somebody else's donor tissue. There's three main ways of reconstructing an ACL. One is using a cadaver which is uh, not meant for athletes. Yeah. Uh, the second one is the patella tendon. They take a third out of your patella tendon and then they stick it into the place of your native ACL. And then the third common way is using the hamstring tendon. It's yeah. called the semitendinosis. It's an, it runs from behind your butt all the way down into the forefront of your knee. Yeah, they fold it like four times and then they use it to reconstruct the ACL using the hamstring tendon. And so the second one you got was patella. Mm -hmm. And so you got that done when you were how old? 19. And you recovered and you were able to get a job. You got a contract in Kiel. Yeah. But you felt like something was off, right? Yeah. From the beginning, I felt something was off. But like I was in such denial because I already went through so much. Yeah. I remember you would talk about, hey man, like I have a show, you know, so on Lake tomorrow and my knee is so puffy. What do I do? And like I was hoping for the best and so I remember very often saying look what if this is in your head like what if this is psychosomatic right because I've seen yeah. the impact of 
stress and you know worry and how it impacts my own body and so i was hoping that you were actually healthy but i remember a very consistent message from you was yeah i don't feel secure i feel like something's off yeah you so how'd you handle that i would use other parts of my body to compensate more you know on tough landings for example if it was like a one-legged landing i would you know probably prematurely bend my knee you know just mm -hmm. to take the impact off it yeah like i wouldn't use the full extent of my plie because it would hurt too much if i used my complete plie thank god yeah. i have enough you told me at one point that your onodon pirouettes you had to find another yeah. way to do it like i, I couldn't i could barely do two to my left side i barely do two you just kind of like had to squeeze it out or just like Honestly, I, like I wouldn't even go for doubles anymore at a certain point. I would just like stick to singles to my left side. You know? and so how but, long did this go before you got this looked at and ultimately operated on again? Six years, I would say. Six and a half, yeah. And so in that time, you performed, just walk me through some of your bigger roles. Swan Lake Prince, Siegfried. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping the Beauty Prince. Prince. Sleeping Beauty. Romeo. Romeo. And that Romeo is really hard. I've seen really it. Hard, it's yeah. really, really, mm -hmm. it's no joke. Mm -hmm. um, what else? I mean, you did a whole bunch of stuff in Nutcracker. Nutcracker, uh, Swan Lake, all the soloist roles in Swan Lake. Right. I've done uh, some other, like, some different choreographers. Yeah. I did a ton. I, I ton was of very repertoire. fortunate. Yeah, a ton of repertoire. A ton of soloist and, and principal work, too. And yeah. you were doing this on what we found out and improperly placed ACL, so that the angle was the wrong angle, and therefore yeah, it was, was basically no function. I was getting no function from it. Yeah. So zero stability. <laughs> so basically, it would sublux. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know what that word means. It would pop in and out. Yeah. Probably like once every few days, and then it would just hurt, and then like it would shatter your whole confidence. You know, when yeah. that, things like that happen, and it happened on stage several times in the middle of sometimes my solos. I would just have to deal with it as if nothing happened yet. And the Deep audience... down inside, I'm suffering. Like, I could never get enjoyment out of it, too, yeah. of the shows, because I was, like, always in fear. That's a huge <laughs> you know? piece right there. We're not getting paid well right. to begin with. And then we often we have to live where the job is, right? And so we kind of go wherever the work is. Right. On top of that, you weren't able to enjoy yourself because no. you were living with this thing and also like it was a mystery right like we didn't know what was happening i complained every day to my wife and i think she got sick of hearing it <laughs> she was like dude just go fucking go, go check it up with a good doctor go, yeah. go get the best yeah and i was like okay and I, I, got, I was kind of fortunate we had friends living in berlin and they told me that they were friends with one of the best knee surgeon knee specialists in probably all of europe and he specializes uh, in ACL reconstruction, and he specializes uh, with ballet dancers. Bingo. Bam. Bingo. And so I dwelled on it for a few months because I still had like a bunch of shows to do. After one of the shows, I remember saying, "Listen, I can't do it anymore. Like I, I have to go check it out." I knew what he was gonna say, but there was a glimmer of hope, you know, like maybe he can fix it a different way. But in reality, what ended up happening was that the doctor told me that uh, I would need a new ACL. Was do you, you think know? that do you think that part of 
your hesitancy to go and meet with this guy was the kind of the PTSD. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can understand totally. going, I don't want to go and deal with this because once I deal with this, I think I know where this is going and I'm going to have to go through this yeah. whole process again. But when I got my answer, my full diagnosis, there is relief because I didn't have to work through pain. And also it meant while. you weren't crazy and it meant that there was a version of dancing without all of that suffering that you had been going through I'll... for the six plus years. That was my uh, that was my hope at the time. Yeah. So you got that surgery, and this yeah. this third time you got the you rounded out the three. You've got all three. Somebody should give you a, a certificate for getting all three versions. You got the hamstring. Close. Cool. I got the hamstring. Graft. Yeah. And Put so in the right place. In the right place at the right angle. <laughs> at the right angle. Yeah. And By with the right a person. Secure, yeah, and the surgeon did like an extra technique, like he just kind of uh, stabilized the outer portion of my knee. So that it would never sublux mm. and he promised me like you'll be dancing no problem and it was also his confidence that i liked and so you recovered from this and this was your fourth operation or did you have to do two with him as well Ooh, i had to do two with him so it was a total of five so but you were still rehabbing in the middle like you were still doing stuff in the middle uh, this time around no <laughs> you were doing something you weren't just sitting around like you were doing something i didn't do anything bro okay all right. Uh, so sorry for the listeners. It's okay. Hey, I think if anybody here <laughs> I has enjoyed been my through time. <laughs> four surgeries with a fifth one upcoming and they choose to just chill out, totally understandable. Um, he told me that was the best course of action. So just chill okay. out. He's like, you don't even have to do the no rehab. Just I'm going to go back in and your leg is going to be just as skinny as whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Nice. Okay. So after your fifth surgery, you were largely leading your own rehab efforts, right? Because you already knew all the stuff. I mean, I went to a clinic, like mm. a rehabilitation clinic. Yeah, yeah, right. That specializes in rehab for dancers. It was just good to be around people that's been through the same thing that I had. Mm. You know, and this is something like I didn't really get a chance to talk with people that been through my type of injuries, you know. But the, the yeah. last time around, it was basically like, I mean... I went to rehab like like weekly with a, a physiotherapist. The work I did was daily by myself. And then like yeah. I just knew the routine. I knew what I needed to do. It would be like hours and hours a day of just you know. I'd say non dancers, non athletes, or even athletes and dancers who haven't been through a serious rehabilitation program mm -hmm. probably don't realize rehabbing is like a full time job. I remember the one hours. Yeah, I remember the one in uh, <laughs> in Alberta. I would have to book in a, a, a specific time, right? And that's like a fifteen minute, thirty minute appointment, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I would actually go to the clinic for five hours. I would do my warm up and my prep and my th you know, and then a thirty minute cardio. I just go for a run, and then I would do mm -hmm. all of these stationary exercises, and then I would be doing stuff on the trampoline and the shuttle, like yep. the reformer, and mm -hmm, and then she mm -hmm. would treat me, and then I would be doing uh, stretching and cool down, and I would go for a swim, like. And that was just there. Plus, I was doing a ballet class, so that's an hour and a half yeah. right there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm at home doing my own stuff, and so yeah. virtually every day there would be eight hours to do, maybe, right? And I would say that, yeah, eight hours. It also requires either complete focus or near complete focus because you yeah. you know you can't just be phoning it in, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the right help, which one of the themes in your story is, if the wrong person, you know, gives you the operation, mm -hmm. doesn't work out. A big yeah. thing, a big theme in my story is 
if the wrong person is coaching me back to health, I don't get back to health, right? You need to have the right person Mm -hmm. leading you through what you specifically need. You know, Mm -hmm. I do what I think I should be doing or I do what the physio tells me and I start to build up again, but something's off and I can tell. And then all of a sudden it's like the pain's back and it's worse. And I go, what's that one thing that's, there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And what I find is that you need to have somebody who really knows what you're going through and who is willing to walk you through it from where you are at this moment all the way to the end. Yeah, I, I certainly I felt like I lacked that, but by the last, the last time around when I had the operation, I had great help, but it came to like an abrupt stop. But I think at that point, like I already knew what I had to do and I knew yeah. how to do it. So you recovered from that injury successfully. Mm-hmm. You went to Karlsruhe uh, mm-hmm. with your wife. You danced mm-hmm. there, and then you went to Innsbruck, and then Innsbruck. now you've come back to Karlsruhe after freelancing. And so pressure makes diamonds, right? And so an easy life doesn't necessarily challenge you. Not that I would ever Mm -hmm. wish hardship on anybody. There is this silver lining of you're probably Mm -hmm. a better dancer, smarter dancer, safer dancer, um, and a deeper person because of everything you went through. Oh, for sure. I can't even imagine how many stair step-ups and baby tondus and medicine ball exercises you've done. But the fact that you've gone through all of that and are dancing better than ever. Like I remember when we were talking about how things were going for you at Innsbruck and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually feeling good now. And it's like, mm-hmm. look, this has been delayed for you for like 10 years. I but guess, in the yeah. meantime, mm-hmm. you did amazing dancing. You did all of these incredible roles. You traveled the world, you've guested, you know, you met your mm-hmm. wife, you had a baby. But then on the other side of all of this struggle, now you're free. And now you have the right. runway to build on that, right? Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you've been forced to learn so much that you wouldn't have learned otherwise. Right. Unfortunate that everything turned out okay in the end, and it's still not the end. It's still continuing, you know. Yeah. I still hopefully have another ten years, you know, of yeah. dancing. I'm still a young man. To have like the first half of my career go like that, you know, I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, like, imagine if all of this stuff happened now instead. Like, if you flipped it oh, and you had... Right? Oh, God. Oh, I couldn't go through it. Oh, right? I wouldn't be able to go through it. Yeah. I don't know what your future is, but I think of, like, what if you do some teaching at some point in your life? Say later, right? And dance you're, teaching. Yeah, dance teaching. Right? And, and you have a student who's so excited and he's really talented, you know, and he's just learned how to do cabrioles and he's doing them like crazy. You can look at him and say, I understand what it is to be really excited. I also know what it is to have that excitement derail everything you think is coming to you. Yeah. And so you'll be able to help other people in a way that most people can't. Maybe that's my responsibility. Yeah, I mean, it just takes a lot, a lot of hard work. I mean, you got to really be crazy about ballet for you to come out on the other side, you know. I've been following sports more and more lately, uh, specifically the NBA and Mm -hmm. NFL football. Super Bowl is coming up. And the way I'm seeing it more and more now is the injury thing. It's part of the experience of being an athlete. You and I might be at the higher end of the spectrum in terms of severity of the things we've been through. But it actually is, it unites all of us as athletes, right? Like 
when I, I mean, right. for you, like mm-hmm. if you see that Kristaps Porzingis, you know, superstar uh, European basketball player plays in the NBA, he tore his ACL. Does a part of you not go, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you go, but he's yeah. making $30 million a year and he's got the best people in the world to help him and he'll be yes. fine. And this is also why if, you know, dancers who get get injured and then they get fired for being injured, I have no sympathy for a company having a problem with somebody being injured because the thing is our job is really hard and ballet is extremely physical and it is totally normal and understandable if somebody gets hurt. And I think that the help we have available to us really, really needs to improve. I agree. Yeah. The, the infrastructure for healing is, I think, behind the times. Um, the thing is, you and I, as examples of people who have been through this, are like hardened veterans when it comes to healing. Still, mm. for us, it's difficult. Like, still, for us, it's not that simple, right? Like, no. And so, looking back at the, my first serious injury and your first ACL, by God, couldn't we have used more help, you know, and good help and smart right. help? And so I think this is something that is lacking and, and maybe we can be part of the change that we want to see. I think I was fortunate with a good rehab program in Canada, in, in Canada's National Ballet School. So, like, I feel like that place was an exception compared to what uh, a lot of us get elsewhere. Outside of MBS, what you're saying is... 100% right. Like, I see, like, in all the companies I work with in Germany, the physio programs are bad. I have to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I always have to schedule my own appointments, like, outside of the city sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. And if we're lucky, we get, like, a physio come in, comes in once a week, you know. Yeah. And then you have, like, 20 dancers wanting to get an appointment. It's, like, almost impossible sometimes. And that, I find that a little bit ridiculous when we're such high-performance athletes, you know? No doubt. No doubt. Part of my hope with this podcast is to reach out to those who are suffering and don't know how to get out of that suffering, right? Um, like psychological suffering, physical suffering. R- yeah. Anything. Well, I mean, because mm-hmm. with the physical suffering is the psychological, right? Like being it's in true. pain is one thing, mm-hmm. but not knowing what to do about that pain is a different kind of stress, right? And... I mean, the physical pain is in some ways easier to handle because you can almost block it out or, you know, the adrenaline comes. And so you, yeah. say you have a, say on Monday, you're fine. On Tuesday, you hurt yourself and it's at like a level eight, eight out of 10, right? Yep. If on Wednesday, it's down to a four, you feel pretty good. You're like, yep. oh, it's okay. You're, you're actually probably in a really good mood. You're like, Wednesday, I feel great, actually. It's only a four. Mm-hmm. But that's still a lot worse than Monday when it was a zero, right? Because mm-hmm. you feel mentally, psychologically, you feel like you're getting better. Mm-hmm. What about if it's an eight, and the next day it's an eight, and the next day it's an eight? And you I don't know did what's an eight for about yeah for about six years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that being lost thing, I think is as bad, if not maybe even worse than the pain itself. Because if the pain is getting better, by all means, the mind feels more calm. And so, I would like to, in whatever way I can be, be a force for that, for addressing that, and to to remedy that so that we don't feel like we're stuck because the thing is we also we don't get paid that much money and so it's not like we can just say you know what I'm going to take a year off from this company I'm going to fly to Spain and go get treated over there and like you know we don't have that kind of millions right and so you're often having to just do it by yourself and 
sometimes your insurance doesn't even cover it and you know Been there. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the beginning i said we each had three things you had your three mm -hmm. rounds with the acl i talked about my surgery in school my injury in alberta i'm going to save the third one for another episode because it was kind of the story of my time in estonia and mm -hmm. you know i'm going to say that for a different episode um, okay but it you know all of the same stuff we talked about here applies um you know challenges confusion not knowing what to do having insufficient help and then eventually finding the right help and and watching how amazing the right person can be in in helping so um mm -hmm. you know we'll cover that in a, in a mm -hmm. later episode uh, but i want to say thank you uh, so much for being here <laughs> and sharing all of this wonderful information no sweat literally no sweat <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's no what. It was hard watching and hearing what you went through, but it's but it's so beautiful to see that it's working out, and uh, and I just I look forward to everything that you do in the future. Thank you, man. That's why I got this tattoo. I mean, I got a tattoo of a phoenix, right? Yeah. So that I would never forget that nothing is permanent. You can always, you know, you can be in the gutter you can come out on the other end you know and uh yeah it was uh, this phoenix was a gentle reminder you know it's you know it's it's a legendary bird that dies and then comes back from rises from its own ashes and i felt like i went through that multiple times yeah. and uh time does really heal just don't forget that and don't want to say don't hit rock bottom or if you do, you can get out of it. Words from somebody who has been there and come back. So uh, I know that you mean that. Um, Thank you for having me, man. A pleasure. It's about time. Yeah, a pleasure. We'll have to have you back. Um, uh, you're on Instagram. People can find you if they want to look you up. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, should Julie people Botnarenko. Should people uh, direct message you with uh, all of their uh, injury <laughs> questions? Uh, please do I'd yeah. be glad to help okay yeah you got some time right now in corona yep in lockdown <laughs> um, okay well definitely hit up Julian if you ever have any pain anywhere in your body he will tell you what to do uh, and in the meantime uh, thank you for listening check us out at 22guys on Instagram and Facebook uh, email us at 22guyspod at gmail.com if you have any questions comments uh, episode ideas anything you want us to cover and uh, stay healthy. Thanks, man. You too. All right. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.